So good morning and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show, radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. You're going to be so glad you tuned in today, and yes, you're going to want to listen to the entire show. So if you're on your way to work, I don't know, maybe you could just let them know. You'll be a few minutes late, or, you know, I I just am saying that. And if you're getting the kids up, and you're getting your morning coffee and your breakfast, you really are going to be blessed by this morning, and it's a great way to start the day here in Seattle. I am the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area. We have been around for 24 years. Ah, I don't know how that happened, but it's awesome. It's always a blessing and just a wonder uh, to be able to serve you in the manner that I do. You can find out everything about Reiki Oasis at ReikiOasis.com. And of course, you can schedule anything from private appointments, which I do for people all over the world, as well as um, uh, workshops and classes at schedule.reikioasis.com. Thanks to my webmaster, Indigo Hawk. You are awesome, amazing, and unbelievable. I have no idea what you do, but I'm just so glad you do it. Um, We do have a Reiki One class coming up this coming Saturday, which is the day after tomorrow, June 1st. I still have a couple of uh, seats available, and that workshop is for anybody who is interested in setting out on the journey of finding out what energy is all about, what frequency is all about, and uh, believe it or not, everybody can do it. It's that easy. So come out Saturday, June 1st, 1230 to 430. It's just a four-hour class. You will be attuned to Reiki, and we always have a lot of fun. We work on each other. I also have a trip to Egypt coming up October 2nd through the 16th. Every year, I take a group of spiritually-minded people, and um, I do have some places available on that trip. We're only going to be taking 12 people this year. So if you are interested in going to Egypt with me and a beautiful soul tribe, Send me an email at ReikiOasis at gmail.com. Send it to Loretta Brown, ReikiOasis at gmail.com. I'll send you the itinerary and we'll, we'll have a discussion around it. I'd also like to thank my, uh, Patreon, my patrons. This is a listener-supported show. Uh, airtime is not free, and every little dollar that you put toward us helps us bring wonderful people to the show like what will happen today. So if you want to be part of that family, go to patreon.com slash the Loretta Brown Show and get in the inside of the things going on. And now I am going through things quickly this morning because I want to get my guest on and and have you um, just enjoy all of my time with him. But I'm going to do the very quickest astrology check-in ever because we're headed into June. Ah, Maybe we can take a big breath. Maybe we can exhale. And June is a turning point, not only because we're going to be halfway through the year, but because we have a record number of planetary aspects, which means important events are likely to happen in June. And all of you listening, whenever I say important events, it's like I can hear your hearts go, you know what? What'd she just say? You're being given the option to change the course of things now. And isn't that what we're on the planet for? Whatever you do now 
it will reflect the final outcome of these transits, which will happen in the latter part of the year. And if you thought something was impossible, remember, you will realize during June, you can finally see through the fog, and the only obstacles have been in your mind, in your consciousness. So I'll give a more thorough check-in with astrology next week. But for now, I think it's time to bring my guest on. I'm so excited to have Lee Harris on my show today. He is the author of Energy Speaks, Messages from Spirit on Living, Loving, and Awakening. He is also an intuitive medium, a transformational leader, a musician, yay, and a visual artist. In 2004, he began holding channeling sessions and readings in his home, and today he leads workshops throughout the world. A native of England, he's now based in California, where he has built his company, Lee Harris Energy, into the multimedia worldwide event company and production house it is today. Leading a 10-member international team, Lee is passionate about grounding creative spirituality into these challenging times. He is also determined to see people experience impactful and abundant lives while supporting each other through community. Welcome to the show, Lee. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here. I'm thrilled to have you here. Just really, really thrilled. I'm going to start out by asking the most basic of questions for my listeners. What is a channel? So a channeler is somebody who can bring through information from a spirit, an entity, um, energy, and sometimes channelers talk to ghosts or people who've passed on too. So there are channeling mediums. Mm. So what would be the difference between someone who channels and someone who says they're a psychic? It, you know, it's all very true. It's all very different because, like, for example, I'm a channeler and an intuitive, which means I receive intuitive messages about people. So I, I think often you have more than one of those things. Um, psychics tend to be people who get premonitions, information about others. Um, they can tap into what is otherwise unseen about the person, a place, or a timeline. So, you know, you probably get asked this a lot. I'm thinking what it was like for you as a child. Were you aware that you had these kinds of gifts? Did you have unusual experiences? Or how did all this come about that you realized that you actually had these gifts? No, I, you know, the place, and, and it's interesting because you asked what's a channel. Most of us tend to be channeling when we are creative. So, you know, if you're creating music, if you're creating art, if you're creating in your kitchen and you get into that mindless state uh, where you're just in the flow of what you're doing, I, I always feel that that is us channeling energy. Um, and so that was, that was really my strongest area as a kid. I was very creative. But I didn't really understand um, the psychic or intuitive side. So I poured it into theater, music, creating things at home. Um, when I was 15, I got a video camera and I loved making short movies like comedy movies and all kinds of things. 
But it was only when I reached the age of 17 that I really started to open up and explore myself. Um, and that was when I found metaphysics and things like tarot readings and astrology. And I loved those things. Um, and it was, it was during that period that I started to get messages for people, but I still didn't really believe it until I heard the voice of my guides when I was 23 years old. I was on a train, so 20 years ago now, in mm -hmm. London where I lived, mm -hmm. and uh, I, heard, I heard their voice. And we just had this easy back and forth conversation. The only part about it that maybe wasn't <laughs> easy was me believing it was happening. Mm. It, when you say, because I think you say you heard a voice, how, how did you know it wasn't just the voices in your head? You know, a lot of people ask me that. Yeah. They'll, they'll say, yeah, Loretta, I want to talk to my guides and angels, but I think I'm just talking to myself, right? Well, I always say it is a voice in your head. Like if it comes through your head, it, it's like when people say with channeling, <laughs> they'll say, well, Lee, how do I not know I'm making it up? And I'm like, well, part of you is making it up because you're allowing it and helping it to happen. So, you know, unless as a channeler you are suddenly hit by a trance state, you know, it, it does require us to sit down with a pen and paper or to, you know, grab a recording device if we're going to channel words for ourselves. Um, there is a co-creation co to channeling, and I think, I think that's part of the myth. I think that's part of the problem that we've had believing that we all have access to this. Now, when I say we all have access to this, I really mean speaking to the voice of our soul. So for some people, they may only ever experience themselves as channeling their soul. For others, they may feel they're speaking to Jesus or God. For others, it might be their guides. I'm not too, um, I always say, don't be, too, don't be too worried about what voice you are contacting. But if that voice is more loving toward you, more wise toward you than your own mind and your own thoughts often are, keep practicing talking to it and keep listening to it because it will start to ingrain in you a new level of vibration. It won't necessarily take away the, the other voices. You know, I still, I can still have self-doubt or fear. Um, those things, of course, still happen for me. But they happen for me in a very different way to how they used to. Before, they used to be the prison I lived in. And now they are things that I notice as they're coming up. And I, I have enough of a, an awareness because of all my years of channeling and self-growth to go, oh, okay, something must be triggering me, <laughs> moving me forward, or maybe I'm just tired and I need to change my focus. So, so. For me, once I'd established I wasn't schizophrenic, which was my, you know, immediate question, um, <laughs> it, it just became, it became very clear that even if it was schizophrenia, man, this voice knew some stuff. And it knew some stuff that wasn't just information-based, but it made me feel better. So I would ask a question about something in my life, and as well as the information making sense and showing me a side of things that I hadn't previously seen, my whole body would relax from that information and I would feel open and in my heart again, where before I felt maybe constricted or tight. So that was really the thing for me, that, that first four months of going home every day, writing questions after work and writing down the answers and not only 
seeing the answers in the moment, but going back and reading them days and weeks later and starting to see this correlation. So it was really an apprenticeship time and a time of study for me with my guides. I'm really fascinated by what you just said. Um, You know, I have a a lot of uh, channelers that come in through the show, right? Mm. And um, there's a, a certain commonality in the theme of how you how you're connecting, but I I am very aware that everybody has a slightly different antenna. And I I like this idea of just writing down the question and then writing an answer as a, as a way to begin to tap into that a little deeper. Yes. And I often say, if you don't have a specific question, but you're curious about channeling, write down on a piece of paper, what does my soul want me to hear today? And then write the answer. So what does my soul want me to hear today? And, and I'll give you a warning. You probably aren't going to want to sit down and do this. <laughs> you know, you're not going to float to your desk and go, oh, great. Lee just said I should channel. Oh, no. There's going to be suddenly you're going to think about the drawer in the kitchen that you need to tidy out that you haven't tidied for three years. And suddenly you're going to think, well, I'll do it after I phone my friend because it's going to be a little bit of a hot potato for your body. You know, your, your emotions, your thoughts, something is going to change when you sit down and write on that, on that piece of paper. And the change might not be big. I'm not saying, you know, something in your life enormous will change, but your state will change. And often what happens in those moments is we go into a little bit of contraction before we do it. So if you're new to channeling, don't be surprised if as you go to do it, you feel a little resistant. And the reason I say that is I get people to do this in my workshops. And um, I've never had anybody who is unable to do it, but always at least a third of the room, if not more sometimes, when I announce what we're about to do as a group, they look at me horrified. <laughs> and, I, and I know that it's only because I'm there <laughs> insisting that we all do it together that they, they will do it. So you know, even I will, will um, sometimes have to drag myself to channel for myself when I've got some kind of thing going on that's quite big. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll realize, well, I could channel about this. And then, um, and then I have to get myself to sit down and write because it, it changes us. And I think we, we are such pattern-based creatures. Yes, pattern-based. And, and also because you mentioned... Um, and this is a powerful statement. You said something to the extent of that fear and self-doubt used to be your prison. And now, yeah. And I'm, I'm being with, you know, when we step forward into, <laughs> like you say, you're going to tell the, the crowd, okay, now guess what? We're all going to channel. Ah, you know, and I can hear them just going, what? <laughs> like, yeah. I, can't, I can't do that. That self-doubt and that fear. But, yeah. but I, have, I have so much compassion for it because, you know, I, I, it's funny. I was never, ever personally scared about my channeling. I wasn't one of those people. And I, I, I get it. There are some people who are like, you know, oh, is this okay? Or should I be doing this? Especially if you had strong religious conditioning, which I think is bigger in America than it is in England, um, where I grew up. Um, I understand there were all kinds of rules and laws in religion that said, you know, you only get access through the priest or, you know, there were certain ways that you were separated from God or a higher power. 
Um, so I get that there can be a resistance to doing that for people who've had strong religious um, conditioning in their life. Mm -hmm. But one thing that, that even for me, what was really easy was my relationship with my guides because they felt like home. Mm -hmm. What was very intimidating was the idea of going public with it. And, and it happened for me very slowly and incrementally. And I was always supported uh, by friends to do it. So, um, yeah, but I, but I completely, there is a certain stigma for and in all of us to give ourselves to something like this, either to believe that we could just speak directly to our soul, um, which if you think about it, really isn't that big a deal. Because if we have a voice of self-doubt and we have a voice of fear in us, why don't we also have the voice of our soul in there? So <laughs> we just <laughs> often haven't locked onto it. That's mm -hmm. all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What if, what if we could just talk to our soul? There's an idea. Yeah. And, yeah. and we do all the time. Mm -hmm. We just don't always have a verbal conversation with it until we start to, and until we recognize that, you know, sure, we might not speak to our soul verbally every day, but we've got their phone number. So, you know, we can always sit down with that piece of paper and get, call them up. So, Coming public, as you say, was the biggest oh. challenge. How did your, how did that come about? How did your family and friends um, react to that? You know, because I well, think that is a yeah. big fear. It's a genuine fear. Like people will say, "Well, what if I come out and tell people, you know, who I really mm -hmm. am?" You know. I think you've got to know why you're doing it. So, for me, what was keeping me going? And what would spur me on beyond my own personal fear was hearing how it was helping people, which, you know, was very new to me at the time. Number one, I didn't really know much about channeling. It wasn't something I was going looking for. I was very much into personal development and metaphysics. I loved tarot card readings. I loved that kind of side of metaphysics. But channeling, from my perspective, is a much more American thing or phenomenon than a British one. Um, or certainly the world of channelers, there seem to be more channelers in America, um, or certainly public ones than, than I ever saw in, in Britain. And so for me, the, the kind of hardest part was being willing to stand there and know that someone might have a strange perception about me all of a sudden, because they had a strange or unexplained perception about channeling, because it was still this slightly in the shadows, slightly stigmatized thing, and that I was just going to have to stand there and represent that. I mean, you know, for example, this show, you probably, you know, there's probably at most of your listeners because of you and because of what you do and the shows you represent, most people who listen to the show are going to be already somewhat aligned with this world. Mm -hmm. But there could be some listeners now to whom, um, I am quote unquote, the channeler, which is never how I see myself. You know, I'm like, Oh, my name's Lee. I'm a human being. I live in this house. I, you know, so, so to me, the channeler part is part of my life, but it's very interesting whenever you are something that's unusual or a little bit different, um, that becomes the lens through which people, other people see you. So for me, who loved personal growth, I can now look back and say, oh, well, what a great growth edge for me to have to be willing to disappear to somebody 
because they suddenly cast me in the role of channeler and they can't see anything else mm -hmm. because they're dealing with their relationship to the idea of a channeler and I become invisible. So in a, in a way that was actually really healing for me, I think, because I probably had a fear of that. And so now I don't, I don't really so much, but my parents and my family didn't know for the first, <laughs> I think I'd been doing readings publicly as a job for almost two years and it got to the point where I was just about to go full time because I couldn't keep my, you know, my other job anymore. I was so busy. Um, so yeah, I remember telling them and I, it was very um, strange for them, I think, because it wasn't something that they understood. But I'm lucky that my family have always been loving and supportive. Um, and I think I'd kind of paved the way for them by being, bringing a few other unusual aspects already into the family like theater and then I was um, my parents only child who turned out to be gay so you know I think I think we'd had a few <laughs> practice runs before we got there <laughs> so that is um, that's a real blessing for you to have that support of your family I'm really listening to you realizing yes you are a, a person you're Lee and I also know that once you opened up this door that things grew quite rapidly and they've continued to grow for you. Um, I'm just going to ask you because, you know, you can easily be overshadowed by the channeling. How do you take care of yourself and make sure that there's that balance between divine and human? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I think it's a constant learning curve for me. Um, I've never had a problem. To me, the divine and the human... That relationship in me has always felt quite nice and quite, um, I'm really grateful for all of the high experiences that I get to have. And I don't just mean my channel, I mean, you know, other people that I expose myself to or pieces of music or anything that helps me um, be in my higher state. I think the hardest part for me has been sometimes not recognizing when I need to rest and when mm -hmm. um, the human me just needs time to calibrate everything. And so, especially as things have grown in my work, though that seems to be the lesson that comes back time and time again um, in ever gentler ways. Um, that, oh, I might just need to step back from doing this for people, um, even though I, I, I think I'm, I know I'm also doing it for myself, but I think, yeah, having to not neglect my human side, my human life has, has been my, um, the thing I have to keep an eye on more than um, how long can I hang out in the divine energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I myself also have to really watch that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the Z's, your spirit guides? <laughs> yes, yes. I, lo I, love so, the, I love them being called the Z's. <laughs> So when I first met them, I said, do you have a name? And um, they said, well, we don't really have names, uh, but we know that humans need and like names. So you can call me Zachary. I'm the lead spokesperson. And I, I said, well, how many of you are there? And they said, well, in number terms, you would know us as 88. They said we are 88 entities who then extend wider into source, meaning they, they defined that they're a collective of 88 beings, but they also cautioned me against that because they said, well, we're connected to everything just as you are. And unlike you, we're very aware of our connection to everything. So 
when they say they extend wider into source, they often refer to themselves as a, a consciousness library. And so that group of 88 can essentially also channel. So <laughs> I'm receiving information from them that they're also pulling from other sources. So it's oh, a little bit like, you know, when does the Russian doll end kind of thing, um, which makes so much sense to me now. I've channeled all these years because really that's the truth of the universe, that all of us are, are just this point on a continuum, whether you're looking at time or biology. It's very interesting to see it that way. So um, there were a couple of others who presented themselves in the years that followed and they referred to themselves as Zafariah and Zayadora, two feminine energies. And so that's how they became known as the Zs. It was actually the people who followed my work who started referring to them as the Zs. Um, and now they just channel collectively again. Uh, they no longer separate out the names. They, uh, they just channel as one voice. So when I channel at the end of the show, you'll, um, you'll, you'll hear it as, you know, it's just one voice that they come through, mm. but they are a group. I love that. <laughs> the Russian doll thing, that's a great, that's a great um, analogy for what it is that goes on. Um, so your new book, Energy Speaks, Messages from Spirit on Living, Loving, and Awakening. And by the way, if you're just tuning in, my guest is Lee Harris today. But I understand that your new book is mostly the Zs. Is that correct? Yes, it's okay. about 85% uh, channeled material that we, um, we edited and cr cr the, there were exercises given. So we made sure that the exercises in the book stand alone and stand out so that you can use it a little like an energy dictionary. You know, you can simply open any page and see where you land just to play the intuitive game. Um, or you could choose a topic. So... There are, there are, I think, 14 different topics in the book. Um, sex and sexual energy, abundance, the essence of relationships, uh, loving money, um, the art of receiving, uh, personal power, sleep. So there are all these different areas of our life, and you can dip into them. And um, with the exception of a chapter where I tell my story and the foreword from Regina Meredith from Gaia TV, um, it is channeled material, yeah. It's great. And by the way, your book is just great. Um, oh, thank you. I, I love it. Um, it's, it's done in such a way that there's content, um, there's exercises, there's affirmations, but uh, I was already playing with it with, where I'm like, okay, let me just open it up and see where I go. But these are very, it's very useful. And the little meditations, the little exercises um, it's, it's, I just tell everybody, you just might as well go and get it right now. And Lee Harris's new book, Energy Speaks. This is Loretta Brown. We're going to take a little station break. And uh, to the listeners, I apologize. My voice keeps clogging up today. So I'm going to clear my voice. <laughs> and um, we're going to come back and talk to Lee Harris more. And then you're going to want to hang around because the Z's are going to bring us a message toward the end of the show. We'll be right back. Did you know that Reiki healing can be done at a distance? It's true. So let Reiki Oasis focus powerful energy to help relieve your stress, grief, sadness, anger, and so much more. Convenient, personalized treatments at a distance can increase lightness of being. During your appointment, find a quiet place to lie down or sit to receive healing energies. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy 
Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Roxanne Watson is on a mission. Hello, how are you doing today? She wants more people to register as organ, eye, and tissue donors. Are you an organ donor? Yes, I am. Yay. My goal is to sign up the most people in the United States. <laughs> what drives her? Roxanne's own life was saved through the gift of a heart transplant, made possible by an organ donor. I decided that day that I was going to devote myself to the cause of organ donation and signing people up and honoring my donor by doing that. Now she's back to health, and she's a powerful force, helping to save lives every day through her work. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Eight people can be helped with the major organs, and up to 50 people can be helped with a little bit of everything. And when you think about it that way, that you could help that many people, it's amazing, it really is. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 a.m. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to the Loretta Brown Show. And my guest today is Lee Harris. And we're talking about his new book, which is called Energy Speaks, Messages from Spirit on Living, Loving, and Awakening. You're going to want to get this book. It is really, really a great book. It's it's something that you're going to want to set I think on the nightstand or have it on your on your place where you do your morning meditations or, or your evening. Um, I like to take a look at my day in the morning and at the evening, just kind of say, well, gee, what happened today that stuck out and and um, ponder that. So in your book, um, you talk a lot in your first chapter, you talk about you are a light worker and you even make a, a, a note in there that this is one of your favorite talks that you did a long time ago, but what is a light worker and how can someone tell if they are one? Well, the way I see light workers is they're everywhere. Now, not everybody is going to define themselves by that word or even have heard that word. I, I hadn't heard that word before I started channeling. And then I started hearing it everywhere in the world. Um, so a light worker is somebody who brings light upliftment and is working for the betterment of a person, a place, or humanity. And that that's their kind of MO. That's how they're built. So, for example, you know, I had to have um, blood work for the doctor uh, a little while back. And, the, you know, I'm, I, can, I can have a reaction with needles sometimes. It just depends. And um, the nurse, I had one of those reactions where it's like I'm leaving my body. And the nurse was just so wonderful. Like, you know, we, you know, we sit down, we talk. She was a light worker. You know, she was someone who it's just her gift and her ability to elevate and to support and to nurture. So I get from our conversation that she wouldn't necessarily identify with that word. But I believe that light workers are everywhere. There's somebody who wants to see more peace, more love in the room. And so this channel was really talking to lightworkers about their role 
and who they're here to be and how often the light worker's life feels like constant change and that the light worker is having to constantly change but that when light workers learn to not give their power away all the time and to retain some of it for themselves and to look after themselves properly then that constant change pattern starts to slow down a little bit and so for me when that channel happened uh, that was really relevant for me at the time and I know for lots of other people so I knew it had to be the first chapter in the book mm -hmm. yeah and I do get that question a lot like am I a light worker you know what is that all about uh, in your book also you have a, a, a lot of emphasis on choice can you just talk to what do you mean by choice life choice destiny choice and and do we all have some sort of uh, destiny or purpose because I, I think that's that's probably the question I get asked the most. What am I here for? Right? Yeah. So the Zs put it this way. They say that we have a destiny path that we're walking and that there are certain keys on our destiny path. So, for example, your destiny might be to, uh, you know, there'll be many different destinies at work in your life. But one of them might be to overcome your fear of public performance. Perhaps because in another life you went through some trauma with that. So in this life, you're going to overcome your fear of public performance. And it might be that you have a few awful experiences when you're a kid where you're forced into public performance and you just revisit the trauma. But by the age of 47, you're somebody who can stand on a stage and give a speech to 300, 400 people because you've become so aligned with activism and you've become so passionate about helping the area that you're an activist in, that you no longer think about public performance. So sometimes our destiny is happening to us without us even knowing it. And there are many different destiny points that we're all experiencing, but the Zs explain that we can take many roads to get there. And that if we miss an opportunity, it just gets put on our path again, over and over and over. It's like a rerouting GPS. Um, and that Within destiny, once we have completed a certain arc of these destiny choices, we start to live even more choicefully. So this is why many people, I think, when they have a spiritual awakening or reach a certain point in their self-growth path, start to feel the power of their choices even more because they're no longer running on unconscious destiny patterns, which aren't bad because they're what get us all to the doorway of choice, if that makes sense. And we have choices within them, but that's where the power of choice becomes so much more um, effective and evident in our lives when we've reached a point where we've essentially gone through so many steps and completed certain destiny arcs in our life or certain healings or certain experiences that we were supposed to have. You know, um, I have people that ask me, in fact, I, I had somebody yesterday ask me, um, you know, Loretta, when they say things like, uh, you know, follow your passion and the money will come, right? Follow your passion and the money will come. Mm -hmm. She goes, I'm following my passion. There's no money. <laughs> can <Yeah>. you <laughs> can you address that a little bit as uh, maybe yes. <laughs> clarify? Yes. I, Thank you. <laughs> well, a couple of, it's, it's funny. I'm right now. I'm, in fact, I'm, she's getting in trouble. No, never. Okay. Yeah. No, no, I get it. Um, I'm actually right now um, just finishing a course that will come out next Wednesday called Abundance Upshift. And it's all about abundance and our relationship to money. And one of the things that I, well, there's two things in your question that stick out. 
Number one, there is no spiritual rule that fits everybody. And more importantly, there is no spiritual rule that stands alone. So that's a really nice way of looking at things if you need to trust that you have to follow your passion rather than be a slave to money. And maybe that that's needed for those people who have that belief that they have to be a slave to money and that, that money and the passion can't be intertwined. But perhaps in the case of your friend or any of us, you know, what are the other blocks to money? So if you're having issues with money, look at money. Don't look at, okay, well, if I throw more passion at, at it, if I throw more belief at it, no, let's really look at money now. What were the money wounds that showed up in childhood? What were your parents' relationship to money? What were you taught about money? Or often, what were we not taught about money? I think it's insane. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's by design too, but I think it's insane that we aren't taught more about money as kids mm -hmm. um, in school because money is the way that we're all supposed to live at the moment and you know part of the currency here on earth but i think there is a great disservice done to kids and i often i see this a lot with any minority group and also women who haven't had access to the same financial or status resources as perhaps if you like heterosexual white males and i don't like saying that because i know so many heterosexual white males who have the same issues. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think there has been a, a funny paradigm on the planet around money. So what I would do in your friend's case is I would make money the focus for the next year. I would work on, okay, how can I make money? And how do I feel when I make money? And what are the areas I'm healing? Because there are lots of ways to make money in the world that we often don't think about, but often we'll ignore them be because of kind of under undercurrent wounds. So it's a really emotional topic, money. It really is. It's one of the most emotional topics on the planet. I, I really heard what you just said there. How, how can I make money? But most importantly, how do I feel when I make money? And what am I healing in there? That, that's powerful. It, it's a really, it's funny. One of the things I just said in the course is it's, it's a growth journey. Money and abundance are growth journeys because... Over the course of 15 years, I did private sessions and I met some of the most miserable, like hugely multimillionaire CEOs, like people who've, you know, probably got 50 million to their name, if not more. Um, and then I met some of the most joyous people who didn't have much in the way of resources. And the only difference was the people who didn't have much in the way of resources, they knew what abundance was to them. And it wasn't having $50 million. But equally, the CEO with all the money had never really found what made them happy. And they had chased this money in this dream thinking it would. So abundance is really personal. And we have to be careful of comparing and going, oh, well, my friend's got a million dollar house. So I need a million dollar house. No, you might be miserable in a million dollar house. It just depends. So it's, it's such a personal topic and it's really tied in with what we need to experience on the planet and what we have experienced in the past around money, around abundance. So it becomes a healing journey when you are willing to go there. Well, and I'm listening to that, you know, we get caught in this comparison constantly, this competition with the others. Yeah. 
and and it's so fed into our society so i always say if you catch yourself doing it don't worry we've all we've all been there and we'll probably all be there again that's not the problem the problem is how we respond to it so if we notice we're doing it can we back away it's like oh hang on a second I'm spending all my time looking at how good she looks on Instagram. Uh, well, am I celebrating her or am I envious? <laughs> oh, I started celebrating and now I'm, you know, trying to sign up for the gym on another browser window. You know, it's like, so it's all about, it, it, this is the beauty of it. The Z's always say awareness is the key to everything. So they say celebrate becoming aware that you are kicking yourself. They say too often what will happen is, you start kicking yourself about something and then you catch that you're kicking yourself and then you kick yourself about the fact that you're kicking yourself. <laughs> and the Z's are always like, no, no, this is a good moment. You've actually become conscious enough of your own thought patterns and emotions. Now you can redirect them. So it's really interesting to notice when you get into comparison, is this comparison lifting me up and giving me a goal? Or is this comparison making me feel bad about where I'm at and who I'm who I am? Because the irony is, sure, she might look great on Instagram and maybe she's a little more the weight or the body or the outfits that you would like to be. But you don't know what's going on in her life that's awful or challenging. Mm -hmm. And this might be her one area where she feels good. And so, you know, celebrating herself in that way might be what's keeping her afloat in other areas of her life that you've actually already got, but you're not necessarily seeing or celebrating. So we never really know what's going on for someone else. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen people compare themselves to others without really knowing the full story. And I've, uh, we, compare, we compare based on our own opinions, not based on fact. So our own mind tells us a story about who we're comparing to, and then we just go down the rabbit hole. Boy, that is that is the absolute truth, and it really gets us into trouble. Uh, yeah. I, I like this idea of, of becoming aware of the fact that you're just beating yourself up, right? It's like, it, yeah. oh, okay. And it's, it, it's a hard yeah. place to hang out at first because you don't really, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, God, it was better when it was unconscious and I didn't even know that <laughs> exactly. I was doing it. But, but you know there is value in hanging out there as long as you can because if you do, things start to change and you start to become a little less afraid of noticing your judgments, your shadows. You start to see that they're a part of the whole and it actually makes you kinder to yourself and kinder to others. Yeah. I, uh, I've i done a, a thing for a long time that I call just observing the self. I think the Toltecs Ooh. say we stalk ourselves, but I do it with humor and, and I'll go, oh, I'm doing that thing again. There I am. That's hysterical. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on the humor. I mean, you know, when you really think about it, we, we can all be quite ridiculous. So it's good to be able to laugh at ourselves. <laughs> oh, I'm going to do that jealous thing again. Oh, how's that working? That's so good. <laughs> anyway, I want to make sure that you have a chance uh, to bring disease through. And, yes, absolutely. And so let's go ahead and do that. And do we do need to do any preparation for that, or just if you would, if you would do a little, um, because it oh, yeah. be about thirty, forty seconds till I start. So if you want to, um, just breathe us in, that would be wonderful. Oh, I'd love to. So <clears throat> while Lee Harris is getting ready to bring in the Z's, everybody just take a nice deep breath into your hearts. 
And focus on that exhalation and just exhale. Just let everything go. Let all that stress go. And breathe into the light coming out of your heart. And I want to remind you that you are a spirit in a body. You are a soul. You are a multidimensional being. And as you just breathe in and out, just kind of sort of open your heart to hear the message that the Z's have for us today. And go ahead, Lee, whenever you're ready. Good. Welcome. Welcome, lovers of the world, for that is who you are. And this specific group that gather around you, Loretta, uh, the characteristic that we see as defining is you all love to love. Uh, and that is something that is strong for those of you listening. And that is partly why they resonate with you, Loretta, and your energy. For you love to love and you bring love through your heart. Heart energy is important to you. And so heart energy is important to this community. Uh, but let's look at the other side. Let's look at the times where you feel overwhelmed. Uh, any of you listening who identify with loving to love where you feel mm, the sadness of the world, or we will put it a little more this way, the sadness of isolation. For one of the reasons that you are all so mm, primed and focused on loving love is because that is the glue that brings humanity together. In many ways, the love energy between all of you is a little like telepathy. It is part of your way of connecting with each other and being a part of the whole together. And yet there are many fractures in your society that have been there all of time, but are showing their head in a much more spoken about way now. Meaning the fractures you are seeing in society have always been under the surface, but right now you're in a period of history where they are surfacing again. And this makes many of you a little uncomfortable, for you look into the wider world and you wonder where has all the love gone. And yet what we would like to remind you is the love is still here. Do you know why? Because humans crave love. Even those who are in deep resistance to love, even those who wish to be destructive, bring drama, push love away, they are highly aware of love's presence, for it is a place where all of you were born and where you came from. That doesn't mean that love is always, shall we say, soft and fluffy. Love can be fierce. Uh, love can be action taken in order to protect the life force of an individual and others. Think of the protective mother archetype or protective father archetype on your planet. Imagine if all humans protected all other humans with such ferocity as being the parent of other human beings you would see quite a different world uh, to the one you are seeing now. And that is partly what is trying to birth on Earth. And it will take many decades, this continuance of birthing love. So for those of you who are, shall we say, waiting for a brighter day, waiting for a brighter sun, know that that may not come in your lifetime. And we say that not to depress you, quite the opposite. We say that to invite you to stop living for the future and start living for the now. We understand that those of you who want to see things change on your planet can be quite disheartened by what you are seeing now. But we ask you to search for the heartened. We ask you to search for the parts of your story as humanity at this time where you are seeing progress and breakthrough. 
for you will continue to see um, roadblocks and challenges for the coming several years yet. Uh, that fight that is ongoing right now is going to play out across the next decade in a myriad of ways. But do not look at the side of the fight where you see loss. Generate and celebrate the side of the fight where you see progress, where you see light and love coming through. This is very important for if your currency is loving to love, you will get very depleted very quickly if you are not experiencing love. And this is very important to understand. You experiencing love is often different to you giving love. We will repeat that. You experiencing love is often different to you giving love. Many of you are generators of heart energy and love for others. It is your joy. Think of it as uh, the hundreds of dollars in your heart that you like to give away on a daily basis. It brings you great joy to uplift and uplight others by giving away the dollars of your heart. You would be the most generous people in your community with money if heart energy was seen as the same as money. And in many ways, it truly is. For if you lift someone's vibration, uh, they are being lifted out of the energy of fear. And the biggest problems you all run into with money is when it aligns with fear, survival, and scarcity. And sometimes you are all in circumstances that have been embedded by society around those energies. So it is not to blame yourself if that is where you find yourself. It is instead to get curious, how do I change this? How do I get out of this? If these are the circumstances I am in right now, if this is the culture of the place I live, if this is the mindset of the people I am around, what do I need to change in order to change my experience? So you see, you cannot just wish things away or intend alone. There is a triad at work for all of you, and it is the triad of intention, belief, and action. Your intention is that which you want to create in the world. So we have already suggested to all of you, intend to create and experience love in your daily life. And one day, creating it may look like being the generator of it for others. Experiencing it may be somewhat different. It might be you quietly by yourself taking a walk in nature, listening to your favorite piece of music. And that is not a bad thing. We know there are some of you who are wonderfully social and giving. And yet, it is not anything to be ashamed of that you only truly restore when you are alone. That is not you getting the balance wrong. That is you knowing how to look after yourself. So that is your intention, to experience and or give love every day. Then your belief is what underscores that. If you believe the world is a loving place, you will be able to replicate and create that scenario over and over as you go through your day. If you believe the world is a dark, destructing place, that is what you will be most focused on. So intention plus belief is where your action goes. Your beliefs are often historical, but you can create new beliefs by creating new patterns and new actions. So the third piece for you to look at what action am I taking today toward my goal? Yes, my intention is to create love and experience love. If I now look back over my last eight hours, what did I do? Oh, 
I went and spoke to that friend who is always moaning and telling me how awful life is. I told myself I would only stay with her for 15 minutes, but I ended up staying there for two and a half hours, and now I feel perfectly rotten, and I don't feel like I have the energy to go and do something loving for myself. So you see, if you start to look at your intentions, plus your beliefs, plus your actions on a daily basis, you have a triad of awareness that can help you upshift your life in ways that you will feel immeasurably good for you and good for the rest of the world. So those of you who love to love, uh, it is important to recognize that at times like these, love can sometimes be scarce or you will attract the most needy of love. They may be going through tough times. They may be challenged by the status quo on the planet. They see you and they are thrilled because you are able to love them back to wellness. Those of you who identify as people with that capability, it is very important, it is vital that you are finding ways to restore and love yourselves at times like this. And this is not just a nice message that you are being given on a Thursday. This is for the coming years. This is a new pattern to ingrain at an all new level in the coming years. So with that, dear ones, we will say goodbye. A pleasure to be with you in love and in peace to all. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. It has mm, been yep. such a pleasure to have you on the show today, Lee. And thank you to the Z's. Thank you from my heart. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank yeah. you so much for having me on. It was lovely to be here with all of you. I love it. And uh, my guest today, Lee Harris, his book, Energy Speaks. And uh, we've got 10 seconds. Lee, how can they find you quickly? LeeHarrisEnergy.com. And we have some free downloads and all kinds of good stuff. LeeHarrisEnergy.com. All right. Thank you. Blessings to you and to everybody listening. Goodbye now. Be blessed. We'll talk to you next time. By the way, these are archived. Uh, listen to it over and over. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>